Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Dr. Cohen. Are we live, Lauren? We're live in 2021. We are live in 2021 with Gross Anatomy. As we continue with unprecedented times, we are still with you on Gross Anatomy podcast, where we discuss the sights, smells, sounds of medicine and how it pertains to pop culture, movies, books, TV, and the world around us. Very cool. Yep. And I, and I still am Dr. Jason Cohen. And I still am Lauren Taylor. And it's 2021. And here we are. It's 2021. You've got two masks on. I'm uh, double masked. I'm double bouffanted. And my still, eye protection. Right. We're not going to talk all about COVID, but you are still not going, you are not required to go to the ICU and fill in, are you? I know you're. No, still not required to do that. Although um, it's, get, it's getting interesting. But, I, but supposedly at one of the hospitals, it's, it's starting to dip a little bit, but it may just be a spurious thing. Hopefully it's a real thing that it's dipping, but who knows? We'll see. No, it's who hard knows? to tell. Like the news makes you think you can't even get into the ICU. But one of the things we were going to talk about is Dr. Dre just got admitted to the hospital where you work, Cedar sinai for mm-hmm. brain aneurysm. And he was saved by, I'm not sure if it was like his medical team or a medical team. I think it was just a medical team at Cedar sinai Yeah. So he got in. I don't know. Right. He got special celebrity status, but. The well, I, I, think yeah, they probably, uh, they probably threw a few patients out just to bring him in. Because isn't it all about the celebrities? Well, that's kind of actually what I was going to ask you, because originally when I read the article, it said he wanted to thank the medical team. And I assumed he had his own personal private medical team. No, no, no it's it's well, he, he may have his own like private duty nurse and things like that. But but there's always, you know, a, an on call critical care team that's that's working in the intensive care unit. You know, there's the residents there and the fellows. And then there's an attending, you know, a fully trained doc who usually is there one week at a time, a different one, but they, you know, different places do it differently. So, so there's a whole team there that's caring for him with some continuity of care. And then there are specialists coming in and private doctors coming in also to care for him in addition to the critical care team. Right. I'm not involved at all in his care. I, 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 the only way I know that he's at Cedars-Sinai is same with you, just through uh, reading it. News, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, it was good to see that if you happen to suffer a brain aneurysm, you can still get into the hospital. Right, exactly. And you know what's interesting is uh, I wound up having to operate last night, um, and they've converted the pre-op area on on a lot of the different OR uh, areas. They turned the pre-op area into an intensive care unit. So we have more intensive, you know, they're, they're making more intensive care units everywhere um, and kind of using the post-op area for both pre-op and post-op. And with that, as most people know, I think, they've really shut down all elective surgery for now. Mm-hmm. So only, only either, only either um, uh, cancer, sur- like, like serious cancer surgery, you know, that's, that's, needs to be done right away or emergencies are being done things like you know aneurysms and things like that i also read like they were converting gift shops into uh hospital bed rooms and stuff have you seen anything like that crazy 
I haven't seen that anywhere yet. Um, but you never know. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe very small hospitals with very big gift shops. Maybe they're turning them. But, mm-hmm. but at least at Cedar sinai the gift shop is still the gift shop. But interestingly, you know, I, I think with everybody, too, is it's hitting home a little bit more, COVID. It, at least Definitely. from, like, we're knowing more people now who have gotten it. Almost everyone's recovered and almost everyone's been fine. Some people have had just a minor kind of flu-like illness. Mm-hmm. Some have had more major ones. Um, but what's crazy is, is there's a plastic surgeon, I think, who's my age who got it and I think um, didn't make it mm-hmm. and, and was at Cedar sinai And at least that's, that's the rumor going around. And I, and I See, think that's why it becomes so scary. Yeah. There was a, a U.S. representative, right. From Louisiana that was 41 and he just died. So it's, and, he did? yeah. And they didn't list any like preexisting conditions. So, right. And that's, what's getting scary because I think, I, I think it's the same I don't think the morbidity has gone up. I don't think the mortality rates have gone up, but I think more people have gotten infected. And because of that, you know, it's, it's like the game of telephone, you know, X degrees of separation kind of game. Mm-hmm. Now it's hitting more home because people are knowing people are getting sick or who have had been one of those rare few who have had a bad outcome. And it's, and that's what I've been telling people in terms of the vaccine. It's, Unfortunately or fortunately, many of us are all driven by fear. Mm-hmm. And, and for a while, you know, in the news, there was the whole, um, a lot of people were saying, oh, I'm not going to get vaccinated. I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to. But then the reality is a lot of people are lining up and banging down the doors to get vaccinated. And I think the reason is, is what's more scary is the person that you kind of know or knew who you didn't think would die from this, who's died from it. That's scarier than whatever side effects of the vaccine may have. And I, and I think that's, that's what's driving people right now. I agree a hundred percent. And just in my circle, my family, I'm knowing more people that are getting it and people that are being careful, but you know, something, someone slips up, something happens. It, yeah. it is scary. Yeah. And what's really weird is, you know, California is supposedly an outside state, you know, where theoretically you would think we wouldn't be a hotbed for it. And yet it's mm-hmm. become a hotbed. And, and it's it's hard to figure out why 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 that's. And we happening. have the most restrictions, so it's just doubly frustrating. Right. Although maybe it's because people are just staying inside and kind of cheating a little bit, and that's all it takes is being inside with some cheaters, and then it's going to yeah. happen. Yep. It's hard to say. It is hard to say. Well, I'm glad you're well. I'm always worried about you being in the, one of the largest hospitals in Los Angeles. Thank you for worrying about me. At least someone worries about <laughs> me. Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate that worry. So what are we doing? Well, I wanted to give you a little update on telemedicine. Are you still doing telemedicine? A little bit. It's kind of annoying, but we are doing it still. What what do you got for me? No, I was just looking in the news the other day that they said 96,000 people use telemedicine or telehealth. I'm not sure which you want to call it in 2019 and over 18 million people used it in 2020. So I just think it's so impressive that it was able to serve that many people. And apparently yeah. now it is helping save lives because in smaller hospitals that they don't have the doctors to treat certain things. They can now like call specialists in and specialists can be in like the room, the hospital room and they can treat people. So I don't know. I feel like you could be called for something like that. Like a right. Specialist. 
has that right. ever happened to you? Have you ever done like almost like via telehealth, like emergencies advised on not, emergencies? Not really an emergency consult, but but you know we are doing a decent amount of telehealth, more for follow ups, occasionally for some new patients too. Um, for surgery, it's kind of hard. For surgeons, it's kind of hard. A, a lot of the decision making. Not a lot, but a decent amount of the decision making actually we do need to examine the person, so right. it sometimes gets a little tricky but uh, or, or do some kind of procedure or invasive thing for diagnosing so but we are doing more and more, especially for follow ups um, The technological part of it is a little annoying. The way our office is is we have multiple doctors all sitting in the same room, so that becomes a little annoying when i 'm on the phone doing a televisit and another one of my colleagues is sitting next to me, you know, we have to go find somewhere else to go do the telehealth visit so that we're not annoying the other doctor who's trying to work. Um, but, it, but it's definitely helped. And, um, and I think it's here to stay even, even post pandemic, I think it makes things more practical to be able to do follow-ups and certain visits for people who live far away mm -hmm. um, via telehealth and, or even more phone calls True, too. Yeah. Interestingly, you know, there, there are those telehealth, like Zoom, we're on, we're doing, we're doing this on Zoom. And, you know, so Zoom is one platform for visits, then there's Teladoc, then there's Teams. Um, there are all these different um, platforms. It's interesting to see that their stocks, you know, what the stocks are doing. For a while, they all took off on Wall Street. Mm. Now, actually, lately, some of them kind of dipped. And one of the thinking uh, of why they sold off a little bit is because once the pandemic is over, which they're thinking maybe it's going to be, you know, under key soon with the vaccine, people are going to stop using it as much. So the sales and the money, but, but I think my personal opinion is this is here to stay, whether it's Zoom meetings, not even for healthcare, because we're realizing we don't, as much as it's nice to get in front of people and to travel, we really don't need to do as much as we do unless you have to write off, you know, looking for excuses to kind of go somewhere. But, but so then do you like have, as your uh, practice have to pay like a percentage to like these platforms like top doc or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, there's, there's small fees I think associated with, but it's not crazy. Not and, okay. and, uh, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure how that's going to work. Um, okay. But I, but I think it's here to stay. I don't know if it's here to stay as much. But I think we're realizing, you know, for, for long distances, it's great. Okay. Do you like doing meetings, you know, like our podcast, for example? You know, we may, we may continuously. Yeah. You know, I wonder when I we're able to get. I do miss coming in, though, like in person. Uh, What's that? I do miss coming in in person. Like, I feel yeah. like it's a little bit easier. I mean, it's easier to get guests now that we can just do Zoom. Everyone can just click on a link. But when you have guests in person, it's kind of, you can make that eye contact. So, you know, like when not to talk over someone, when to like stop. It's harder to know like when to interject via Zoom. What? What? Yeah, exactly. Huh? Yeah. Although, yeah, there's definitely a little more energy too, or an excite, excited energy, I think, when we're face-to-face. -face. But, but you're right. More people are willing to kind of come on the show and, and like, like we had Dr. Shem, you know, from the mm -hmm. East Coast. That was amazing, you know, and we right. definitely connected and had a great bond and, and Brett Ratner coming on and, and Josh... Uh, Hami coming on. That was amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Some of my favorite episodes. Yes. And there you have it. And then um, I just had a quick question just to go to back to Dr. Dre for a minute. If you suffer a brain aneurysm, like how long does it take before you just die? Like, isn't yeah. it a really quick thing? 
it um, it's it's hard it's hard to say for sure. I mean, it could potentially go really quickly, uh, but sometimes it it isn't. You know, sometimes I, you occasionally. So basically, what an aneurysm is is it's a ballooning out of the blood vessel. That's what an aneurysm is, and just because someone has a ballooning out of the blood vessel, people could live a long time with that. The problem is, is when it, just like a balloon that you blow up, if you blow it up too much at some point, it'll pop. So that ballooning out of the blood vessel, the wall is not as thick as a regular uh, or as strong as, as the normal blood vessel. So it stretches out and the wall is thinner and thinner. And at some point in time, because of blood flow, the pressures of blood flow, it might pop and that's the emergency. And, um, and, the thing about the brain is it's this really contained tight space. You know, there's no, it's not like our belly where we have a lot of, you know, our, you know, when we eat a big meal, there's room for our belly to expand. And and then in the brain, there's no room because it's the brain is, is surrounded by a hard skull or, or, or bones. Mm. So even a little bit of blood could cause a lot of problems. Um, so meaning that blood starts causing pressure on the brain and could, could, and if there's pressure on the brain, the brain could start losing blood, um, having either losing blood supply from the bleed or having just pressure on the brain and we can't handle pressure on the brain. Um, and that's why something like a brain aneurysm is, is, could be so fatal because just a little bit of bleeding could cause pressure on the brain. Um, and, and that's one problem. The other problem is bleeding from an aneurysm, you're, you may not be getting blood to a certain part of the brain. So between those two things, um, it, it could be deadly. Now, sometimes someone may have like a very slow bleed that's just trickling out a drop of blood. And occasionally you hear about these people who had it and were okay for a couple of days. And usually it presents with a crazy headache. A lot of people describe the worst headache of their lives, those who survive. But, but, um, and then sometimes vision disturbances, and sometimes stroke type symptoms, you know, where you can't move an arm or a leg or can't talk. They're all different types of presentations because it's the brain wherever that aneurysm is. So, um, so the answer is back to your question, which was, what was your question? No, it was, I wanted to know all those things, like what, how it presents, what, what actually happens. You answered all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's really scary is my sister, um, in her twenties had a a brain bleed in her twenties and described it as worst headache of her life, just didn't go away. You know, and the next thing we knew she was in the hospital and luckily, you know, they got it stopped and she recovered almost, you know, I think almost near a hundred percent recovery, but really scary. Um, and I remember as a kid, there was a guy we grew up with who had happened to and didn't survive, you know, and it's just devastating. And, and the problem with these aneurysms is that it's not like, you know, people are going around getting scans. And even if we were getting scans, they often wouldn't get detected because you have to do a special scan of the blood vessels. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a practical thing to do because these things are so rare. So it's kind of like, could be a ticking time bomb in a person. Right. And, and then when it happens, it's, it's, it's just a devastating thing. And yeah. And there's no like rhyme or reason for it. There's no rhyme or reason. Who's going to get it? Why is Why is someone going to get it? Someone else. There are certain diseases where there are people have connective tissue disorders and there might be some, 
you know, some, some types of diseases where people might have a propensity towards getting it. But um, for the most part, these are spontaneous things, and um, which is crazy. I know. I, I mean, I knew the headache was like part of it. So um, I always think if I have the worst headache of my life, I might need to go. Uh, yeah. Here. What's really weird is I tend to get migraines and my mother did as well. And those are pretty horrible headaches. Do you get migraines? I do. I, but so I'm, I kind of know what a migraine is and then I know, yeah, if it gets worse. Right. Than that. But that first time that you had a migraine was probably really crazy and scary. At least for me, I lost vision. I got nauseous, you know, and those are all potential signs for aneurysm too. So yeah, know, that's the, true. I'm sure it, kinda, that is scary. Very no, I scary. Had, yeah. Like an optical migraine before where, yeah, my, everything was starting to be blurry and that was terrible. Right. Yeah. And, and what's bizarre is we still don't really understand that stuff. There's mm -hmm. so much we don't understand about the brain. Another person, another celebrity who was sick, and then I guess, yeah, she just died, unfortunately. Was oh, wait, before we talk about that other celebrity, so I heard on the radio today um, that burglars tried to break into Dr. Dre's house. Yeah. Yeah. It terrible. So I bet someone was on, saw that he was in the hospital, and they were like, perfect time to break into his house. People are horrible, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Either that or they're geniuses. I mean, maybe we should have thought of that. Well, it didn't work. Apparently, they arrested someone. Right, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's it's just nuts what people. Yeah, think. it could have been. So, yeah. So but yet, I, it could have been. Could be an evil mastermind. So, who knows for sure? I know. I follow um, basketball. So, this player, Demar Rosen, he lives in Malibu, and someone broke into his house while he was there, and they were in his kids' room where his kids were playing, and he's huge i mean he's a basketball player and so he scared the guy off and he was like what are you doing and but yeah he got past like the security guards just went into his house and then they finally found him and arrested him and he said he he was just a fan of kylie jenner and he was just he thought it was her house oh that's nuts and okay. demar DeRozan was like and they were like are you were you scared he was like in your children's room and he was like no i'm from compton i can handle myself oh that's funny <laughs> Yeah. But that's still crazy what people have the balls to do. True. Yeah. So what were we going to so who who is the other person who Tanya Roberts, who I didn't know who that was, but I saw her in the news. So you How did you not know who Tanya Roberts was? I mean, I didn't watch Charlie. She was one of the Charlie's Angels. And then I mean, she was watched, in other stuff too. I watched the remake with like Charlie's or no, Cameron Diaz, but I didn't right. watch. Right. Yeah, yeah, she was an original I think she was one of the original Charlie. I think I think she was pre-Farrah Fawcett, I'm not, although I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah. Tanya Roberts, she was yeah. uh, one of those, you know, pinup women. You know, she was, you know, yeah, boys had posters. Girl, so she had to be really hot. Yeah, boys had posters of hers. Yeah, she was she was a beautiful lady. So she was in the hospital? Yes, and I'm, actually she was in Cedars-Sinai too. And ah. what's crazy is, I mean, for most females, everyone's had like a urinary tract infection in their lives. That's what it was from. Apparently a urinary tract infection that didn't get treated in time, but she also had hepatitis C. So somehow those didn't go well together at all. And she ended up on a ventilator. I, don't, I mean. But wasn't there like some crazy thing that someone thought she was dead and then they said she's not dead and then dead and then, right? What, yeah. Didn't what that I heard was her partner said that he said goodbye to her, meaning like they were going to, mm -hmm. 
decided to take her off life support. So she wasn't. You know what's crazy? So you know what's crazy about the COVID time is that we're seeing is that um, because of COVID at the hospitals, the hospitals aren't letting family members or friends, whatever, into the hospital, or they are in very limited capacity. So it's very isolating to patients and to family members who their loved one is here in the hospital. Because of that, too, information is harder to get. Information's not going, you know, normally the patient's family's around and you could relay information right away and stuff like that. When someone's really sick, unless the doctor's going out of their ways and the doctors and the nurses are so busy right now, that's a big issue right now is, is getting the information to people. And um, it's been I know, challenging. It's heartbreaking. It's like the very start of this in March in New York, that's what you saw, like, the doctors having to try to make phone calls, like doing Zoom calls so they could like say goodbye, like terrible things. And yeah. now we're in January 2021 and we're still doing the same thing. So we usually get into what we're watching, but you had mentioned what we're reading. Yes. Talk- we talk about books. Yeah. So, yeah. We rarely talk about books, but let's get into the book that you're reading. I'm reading Ready Player Two. I don't know what that is. You, you don't know Ready Player One? It was in a movie by Steven Spielberg. Right. It was a book that Spielberg made into a movie that came out a couple of years ago. You know, that was about, uh, you know, sci-fi, about um, everybody's no longer living um, in the world so much. They're all living in this virtual reality world uh, mm-hmm. because, because the world's been destroyed. Not destroyed, but it's just like poverty and a mess. Uh, and there's this fun. How do you not know Ready Player One, Lauren? I, I know. Yeah, I know. You didn't see the movie or read the book? No. Wow. I know. I will. The fun thing about Ready Player One, and even more so about Ready Player Two, isn't so much about medicine, other than this world getting destroyed, which it kind of feels like is happening right now to some degree too. Yeah. Um, you know that everybody's destroyed the world. Um, but the really fun thing about Ready Player One, and even more so right now, at least where I'm up to in Ready Player Two, is that it's all 80s references. Like the, 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 in Ready Player One, it's everybody's living in this virtual world, and the creator of the virtual world creates this contest, had created a contest, and whoever wins that contest in the virtual world will go on to get his fortune. And the contest is like, having to play video games and having to go to different world scenarios. And it's all related to the eighties, which is fun, you know, as someone who grew up in the eighties and ready player two um, is even more great eighties references. And right now they're in the world where it's like all the classic eighties music and movies, you know, all the John Hughes movies, you know, and they're, and that's where I'm up to right now. You know, they're in like the pretty and pink, there's a whole planet that they're virtually on that's all pretty in pink and, and the breakfast club and all of the John Hughes movies. And it's right. great. Well, you sold me. I had no idea. Yeah. And it's fun. And the music's great. So I would read the book first. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and it's exciting. You know, it's, it's a fun, uh, you know, it's fun fantasy stuff, but it's also interesting. You know, we're all, we're even more online now with our kids, you know, and, and millennials are constantly on the phone and our kids are on the phone and we're doing school virtually, which is how the movie starts out in Ready Player One. He's in school. He signs into school virtually. And it's, it's just very 
you know, it kind of feels like, yeah, it's science fiction, but maybe we're getting closer and closer, especially with Elon Musk, who's, you know, hoping to do this electrode thing into our brains. Mm. Um, you know, it just sounds like uh, this science fiction world may become more and more a reality. Who knows? Yeah, no, I would definitely read that. I I need something to read and I haven't been watching anything, but scrubs on Amazon prime. And um, I have a question for you. They make the surgeons seem like they're just like so much cooler than like the doctors, like the ER docs, the ones that don't do surgery. Do uh, surgeons really have like a superficial like attitude? And is that like a real characteristic? Uh, Yeah. You know, what they say is, is every, every type of doctor kind of has a stereotypical personality. There really is some truth to that, especially amongst the surgeon personalities. So especially when I was starting out, I I think less so now, I think it's kind of, you know, anybody could become anything more so today, but even there's people definitely gravitate towards a certain type of, of specialty, I think. So, um, and that's what appealed to me about surgery, you know, is kind of that alpha-ness. You know, the, the surgeons are definitely the alphas of, of the hospital a little bit um, because you go to the OR and you're cutting these people open and there's that certain, you know, excitement a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, there there definitely is that, especially in the olden days. You know, when I was starting out, you know, all the surgeons were a-holes, you know, and and you know, cocky and, and, um, that's the word cocky. They really seem cocky, like compared yeah. to just the doctor. Yeah. And there definitely was that for sure. Uh, uh, and there still is to some degree, you know, people who go into surgery, go into surgery because they have a certain amount of ego, I think, or, or think they're, you know, good at stuff. Um, it, 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 but interestingly, it's always been, um, I've always taken it as the highest compliment when either a patient or even another doctor tells me that I'm not a typical surgeon because I, I take. Yeah. yeah, I would. Yeah. In scrubs anyways, they're way more broy and like high fivey. And like, I think probably cause you live with um, four females, maybe it's a bit knocked out of you. But. Well, a little bit, but I, I think just in general, I think I'm, I, you know, I, you know, typical um, surgeon, you know, the the stereotype is that they don't really like people and like don't like talking to people and just want to be in the operating room and hate being in the office seeing patients. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's, to some degree, that's very not true. Like I actually, one of the things I like about being a doctor is the patient interaction mm-hmm. um, and getting to know people. And it's funny, one of my partners, I was talking to my our office manager the other day, he'll like see a patient in the office he's a surgeon. I'll see the patient in the office, like wham, bam, you know, he's in and out. And she was, she, she actually joked around. She's like, yeah, when he sees a patient, it's like a sec, you know, a couple of minutes. Whereas for me, when I'm seeing a new patient, uh, you know, it could be a half hour to 45 minutes. Cause I like to really bond and connect with my patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just kind of funny, you know, he's the typical surgeon personality, whereas I, I'm not necessarily. No, I think that is, that is definitely in scrubs. Yeah. They don't want to talk to the patients. They just want to cut. That's kind of what they show. Right. And I was thinking the creator must have gone to like medical school to like be writing this, but he didn't. And that wasn't his pathway at all. So I guess there, I would imagine there were a lot of like doctor consultants on the show. But Oh, I for sure. And each show has doctor or nurse consultants. And mm-hmm. I don't know why they're not banging down our door, Lauren. I know. <laughs> there is some stereotype a little bit about each type of specialty. And it's, it's funny when you see that. 
Yeah, you would have been a great consultant for that show. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, here's to 2021, Lauren. Here's to 2021. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy, everybody. Bye. Bye. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine. Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.